Welcome to The V-Hive, a platform focused on women's intimate health. With weekly episodes from the field's top practitioners, we discuss all of the things you've always thought about but never wanted to talk about. On this podcast, we are making the highest quality information on the most beloved part of your body accessible, understandable, and implementable. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck, and I started this platform as a result of my own experience with chronic pelvic pain. Throughout the years I spent healing my body, I became overwhelmingly interested and passionate about these topics and have made it my mission to create awareness and education on the complexities of the female body. Hello, everyone. I cannot wait for you all to hear this episode. It is with the amazing Dr. Anna Kabeka. We talk all things hormones, sexual health, menopause, um, and just what we can do to be hormonally healthy and thriving at every stage of our life. There is so much information that Dr. Anna shares with us, and I, I learned so much myself. I know that you guys will too, but before we get into the episode, I want to quickly share with you a little bit about the V-Hives membership platform. So this is a platform that I created for all of the VHive listeners to be able to receive more content than these weekly episodes. So if you are interested in bonus Ask Me Anything episodes where you can send your questions directly to me and I answer them every month, if you are interested in receiving healthy recipes that I make, if you are interested in more discount codes to products and brands that I love, I highly recommend you become a member. You can do so by going to www.thevhive.com backslash memberships. And you are also really helping to support the VHive and our platform, our mission, the podcast, educating women around the world on their sexual health. So each and every membership is so helpful in, in helping us to continue to create this content and to do this work. So please check out our membership. Go to www.thevhive.com backslash memberships. And if you have any questions, please send an email to info at thevhive.com. Welcome to the show, Dr. Anna Kabeka. Thank you for being here today. Oh, I'm glad to be here with you and and your listeners. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah, looking forward to the me too. I'm so excited. My mom's upstairs. She's so jealous. She wants to like be here listening. She loves you. <laughs> but I told her she couldn't. Anyways, so thank you so much for being here. Um, I'll just give a quick intro into you know who you are and what you do, but I'll let you go in more depth and explain more about your career. But for everyone listening, Dr. Annika Becca is a gynecologist who specializes specifically in hormones and menopause, helping women physically, emotionally, and sexually when they are going through hormonal challenges. Dr. Kabeka has published two best-selling books, The Hormone Fix and Keto Green 16, and has spent years developing and perfecting life-changing products and programs. So menopause is... Of course, a huge issue, a huge topic happens to every single woman, essentially, and it's something that I am trying to discuss much more on the podcast and just bring more awareness and education to this 
you know, pretty, pretty big time in a woman's life. So this is what you do. This is what you specialize in. And I am grateful that you're here today to explain to everyone how, how you can help and, and how women can really go through menopause without it being such a difficult time. And in fact, a time, as you, you say on your website, a time of transformation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would say that, you know, um, puberty is no more of a disease as menopause is no more a disease, right? Mm-hmm. And that is important. These are times, natural times of transition. Transition, this menopause is mandatory. Suffering is optional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And I've found that, you know, through, so I started this podcast just I had pelvic pain and I was, I became really, really interested in how, how large of a problem pelvic pain and sexual health issues are. And as you just said, like there are ways out of all of this. And as I continue to just interview more people and and do more work in the field of like sexual wellness, you realize how all of these things that are such big, that seem to be such big struggles, there's actually a lot of solutions for them. It's just a matter of, unfortunately, you know, finding the right people and it takes time and, and research and work, but there are solutions. So how did you get into this career? Oh, well, let me tell you, it was my own journey, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I was diagnosed with early menopause at age 39 and irreversible infertility. I went through cycle after cycle of the highest doses of fertility meds, and I, and I failed, and I was told the only way I would get pregnant would be egg donation. Now, you can imagine, here I am, a Emory University-trained gynecologist and obstetrician, have helped you know, hundreds, if not thousands of other women get pregnancy, have healthy pregnancies. And, um, and I was dealing with this diagnosis of infertility and my doctor's bag was empty. So Hannah, this literally took me on a journey around the world looking for answers. And with that, I found solutions that weren't, you know, that weren't in my medical training. And for me, that translated into not just reversing the diagnosis of early menopause, but to becoming pregnant and delivering a healthy baby girl at age 41. And so now I'm 54 this year, and I am uh, just shouting from the rooftops Mm -hmm. how important it is to gain back the power over your own body and optimize your health. And and diagnoses are not sentences. Mm -hmm. And we need to look past that so that we can really heal and empower our body, as you all know. Mm -hmm. And and just to go, uh, go on a quick tangent, this is something that I could do numerous podcast episodes on, and, and I'm sure that you have a lot of insight into this. But I just want to quickly ask you before we get started into all of the other questions that I have planned out for you, why are there so many facets of, of women's sexual health and so many problems that are not taught to gynecologists in medical school? Like I come across this all the time, every single week, you know, something that's just doctors can't seem and doctors are amazing for, you know, the purpose that they serve. Most of them are helpful in in a specific way, but there's also so much that they aren't taught. Why is that? You know, I think it's, it's part of, there's a part of our traditional medical training, right? And Mm -hmm. also the eyes don't see what the mind don't know, Mm. you know, and that's a really important piece. Like there's a tremendous amount of traditional wisdom that has been, um, 
um, not ignored, but overlooked maybe and not adapted or not brought into our current medical systems that are, that are very much um, based on um, a lot of pharma, a lot of intervention, a lot of what can I do right now versus the empowerment. Now, I think it's important that we leave the empowerment of the individual up to the individual. But, you know, if we take away that power, or, or, uh, we as individuals allow our power to be taken away by the prescription pad and the knife, you know, except when absolutely necessary. And we as individuals have done everything we can, then, you know, then there, there's a problem there too on both ends. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, though, I always say I wish no one the experience and life journey that I've had to know what I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for most women, menopause can be really difficult and, and really challenging. But you use this phrase, making menopause magical, and I have air quotes around that. And, and you really help women to understand how menopause can be a time of freedom and, and transformation and like a new beginning. And how do you do this? Well, it really can be. Actually, I like how the Japanese use the word konenki, which means for menopause, for this time period of a woman's life, like our terminology is terrible, Hannah. We've got to come up with some better yeah. terminology. I, I could not agree with that more. And not just in terms of menopause, but a lot of conditions. Oh, so much else. So much else. Masturbation, too. Like, what mm -hmm. a terrible word. Can I, we just say self-pleasuring? Okay. And so before I get off on too many tangents, um, the, the concept of Koninki is second spring. So let's say we breeze through menopause into our second spring. That's what we need to do. Like consider this time of life a second spring. This is a liberated time period. And again, uh, to embrace it as such versus a reason to take a medication, a reason to buy something the media would like us to believe that we need additional things to hide who we are, to hide our authenticity, to be someone we're not, and not embrace the age and, and development that stage, the age and stage that we are. So I think we need to embrace the age and stage that we are in a really healthy way, and we can absolutely do this. And I feel so... Um, blessed to be working to have worked with thousands tens of thousands of women that that have taken action and feel now this new uh, freedom this second spring mm -hmm. that are I can't imagine you know f feeling any any different at this point in my life like this is so empowering for those of us that are doing this healthy and to watch that transition that shift from feeling like this is, you know, this is, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to power through the rest of my life, whether it be sexually with sexual pain, whether it be with fatigue and struggling through the day or struggling through your to-do list, whether it be relationally, whether it be, you know, in so many ways. So we're not going to, we're going to have to um, agree. I say, let's agree to stop powering through mm. and just to take one step at a time and let's do it together. That makes it so much easier. Say heavy, uh, many hands make light work. Mm -hmm. I love that expression. So if we do this together, that does make it easier. Again, healthy community. So what are the main symptoms of menopause for, for people who don't know? Yeah, and perimenopause. These symptoms can start as early as our mid to late 30s. And, and, and PMS is a, is also like premenstrual syndrome that cyclic depression 
moodiness, mood swings, weight gain, um, swelling, ankle swelling, irregular cycles, breakthrough bleeding, heavy cramping, difficulty sleeping, loss of sex drive, all of those that are also associated with PMS are perimenopausal symptoms. So the hot flashes, the gynecologic symptoms that we typically address are those that are, um, you see a, a, re, a reduction in your frequency of your menstrual cycle or heavier and more frequent menstrual cycle. It can go both ways depending and breakthrough bleeding in between cycles, ovarian cyst formation. That's often the times early these symptoms may um, lead to a recommendation of birth control pills or hysterectomy or endometrial ablation. But we have to always recognize that these symptoms are calls from our body that there's an imbalance. And that way, once we address this imbalance, those symptoms resolve which mm-hmm. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Menopause, technically, by our terminology, is 12 months since your last period. So, Hannah, can I tell you something funny? Yeah. So here I am. I'll be 54 this year, and, and next month, actually. And um, I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, just next month. <laughs> and I, um, was, I, I, I was probably 12 months from my last period. And then all my daughters moved in with quarantine, right? My three oldest daughters, my 12 year olds here with me, but my three oldest moved back in and they all synced their cycle. And I was like, Oh great. If they've synced their cycle and I haven't had one, you know, I am pretty sure that I am menopausal right now. Then came their second cycle. Lo and behold, so did mine. Oh my God. So here the clock technically starts over. I'm like, was I 12 months? So I did a menopause. I'm not menopause. Like how Mm -hmm. does that terminology make any sense to anyone listening? Right. So this time, and if really we call it like the perimenopause, this time before we're postmenopausal, the time before that one day we've 12 months before, you know, since our last menstrual period, hence menopause, to the postmenopausal time period. And, and let's, let's think of the stage of life as we transition to our second spring, as we come through the cocoon and that, you know, busy transformation time period into the stage of of light of enlightenment which should be we should be wiser stronger you know the fog has lifted the you know that reproductive haze has lifted and um and we have this tremendous amount of clarity Mm -hmm. that's that sounds good to me so how do you do this how do you help women do this well, and it's definitely been a trial for myself, too, because as I mentioned, I, I, I had early menopause at 39, and then I was cycling, you know, I was spiraling downward at 48. It was post-divorce. Uh, my ex-husband had a traumatic brain injury. I was mom, dad, sole provider to my kids and trying to hang on to my business at the same time, and I was burning out really, really fast. I had brain fog. I was definitely full-blown perimenopausal, hot flashes, hadn't had a cycle in months, brain fog, and, and memory loss, which was really disturbing to me. I rely on my mm-hmm. memory, and it's always been excellent. And so here I am. Um, I, and, and what was worse, I was gaining weight overnight. And what my patients would tell me, Dr. Ann, I'm gaining 5, 10, 20 pounds, and I'm not doing anything different. And 
you know, as a young doctor, I was skeptical, like, sure, you're not doing anything different, really, you know, thinking mm-hmm. I would never say that, but, you know, maybe I thought it, to be honest, mm-hmm. and then it happened to me, 20 pounds, literally, without doing anything different, and that led me to find this keto green way of living. I'd already been using food as medicine, functional medicine, and looking at um, food as medicine, fasting, and, and really an alkalinizing diet, low-carb diet. But that this time period, without doing anything different, I started with the weight gain, the brain fog, and all of these symptoms. And so I strictly went keto, and my keto green way, adding on the alkalinity component that I write about in my books, The Hormone Fix and Keto Green 16, the alkalinity component that is so important to a healthy ketogenic diet was what what helped me spiral out of this. So finding this this way of living and this way of eating made all the difference in the world. So that was six years ago now, um, maybe more. Mm-hmm. So um, that was, you know, several years ago now. And it was eye-opening to me because, again, not something I learned, not something we're taught in med school. But what happens is that as our progesterone and estrogen levels start to decline in this perimenopause, our um brain and our muscles ability to use glucose for fuel rapidly diminishes because it's estrogen dependent and most likely progesterone dependent too. So in other words, we're, our brain and our muscles are starving for school, for fuel. So we're going to gain more weight. We're going to have brain fog unless we switch to this ketogenic state. Ketosis is not hormone dependent. The brain's ability to use ketones for fuel, which cross the blood brain barrier, when we use these fat molecules instead of sugar molecules for fuel, it is it is it is not hormone dependent and it is energizing and it is powerful. I always say that glucose is to gasoline as ketones are to jet fuel. Mm-hmm. So we want to switch to the state. Not only is it important in the perimenopause and menopause, it is necessary. But the key piece of this, this keto green way of living, is that it's not just about what we eat when we eat, you know, how we eat, with who we eat, (laughs) all of these things can affect our physiology. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of living. And that keto green way is how we breeze through menopause into our second spring. And so, I mean, this is so interesting. And I I know that my mom, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about my mom's whole story, because she's really the person that turned me on to you. And and she loves your work and and has implemented it into her life. And it's helped her tremendously. But is there any way just you can give us a short version of what this keto green way of eating and living looks like? Like what, you know, what do you eat? how do you eat what what are you supposed to do and like what are the three kind of simplified ways that people can implement this into their life yes absolutely i'm happy to because it's it really is simple when we start thinking about it as we start to transition it to this way of life it really is simple and it's easy and it's meant to be supportive so that we're free we're no longer you know um sacrificing or suffering or self-flagellating right Mm -hmm. we don't have to suffer to be healthy and optimal we can do it with ease and grace now there's a transition point right like Mm -hmm. we have to you know break through that cocoon so to speak so there's some transition transition discomfort 
but it's worth it. It is so worth it. And there's a freedom that comes with it. So I'll just give you a day in the life of being keto green in, in Amazing. Like, for example, keto green 16. So in my keto green 16, we've got this beautiful keto green community on Facebook. I invite all your listeners to just powerful group of people. And so we would start with a, like I would say getting keto green starts the night before. So I like for you to end dinner by six to 7 PM. And when you think of a, your dinner, I want it to be a really beautiful keto green plate, like healthy, lots of good quality protein, the size of, you know, maybe a little bit larger than the size of the palm of your hand. And 75% of it, dark leafy greens or cruciferous vegetables like cauliflower mash or some asparagus, something that's really alkalinizing and healthy fats drizzled with olive oil or butter from grass fed cows, ideally you know, having healthy oils along with this so that you've got your alkalinizing greens with good fiber, you've got healthy amounts of fats and oils, and you've got high quality protein. We need protein as we get older, you know, so much, Mm -hmm. so much more than even when we're younger. So we need this high quality protein. And then drink just a little bit with your meal, four to six ounces. And then after that, very little, like don't, drink too much after dinner because that's going to dilute your digestive enzymes and your body's ability to really get the nutrients from your food that's so interesting okay Uh so fascinating and especially for those of us as we're older if we're getting up in the middle of the night to urinate like just stop the fluids in the evening so so what so what we do too, like to add on some bitters or digestive enzymes or digestive foods, like a little bit of kimchi onto that plate or sauerkraut. So we're getting those good digestive foods on as well and fermented foods, very helpful to balance out that keto green plate. And then you, you know, tea at night, no midnight snacking, none of that. We do not need it. And, um, and when you wake up in the morning, drink a tall glass of water, rehydrate your body, alkaline water. I typically have clients they want, they can do a squirt of lemon juice and even sometimes do a teaspoon or a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, the unfiltered apple cider vinegar that gets the digestive, like the rest of the food digested and just flushed out. And also I have clients sometimes do their mighty maca elixir. So just a shot of mighty, like my mighty maca formulation that has um, prebiotic ingredients, some antioxidant ingredients just to help alkalinize and help your body flush out toxins. It's a nice thing to do to give mm-hmm. your body in the morning to help it rebalance, right? To, you've been detoxing all night, so you want to just refresh and cleanse and, and support your body's detoxification process. And then you would wait till about 10 or 11 a.m., and have a keto green breakfast and that keto green breakfast breakfast could be smoked salmon on a bed of greens either sauteed or or raw depending on how good your digestion is add some sprouts because like broccoli sprouts are so good for you some nuts and seeds drizzled with olive oil and vinegar slice of avocado that's a great breakfast and don't hesitate to use always use additional spices and herbs and those are so good to support you so you're going to have some citrus also to help with digestion and alkalinization to help you break down the food Um, some greens and 
protein and fats, mm-hmm. you know, a healthy amount at your meal. Now, by doing this, you're not going to be hungry till later. And also in the morning, if like initially as you're getting this with your tea or your coffee, you can add in and, and mostly tea for women, especially in the perimenopause and postmenopause, because coffee plays havoc with our adrenal glands that are already stressed out at this time of our life. And that can cause you to get these high lows in blood sugar and make you have more cravings and not be able to keep that fast. So try a keto tea, an herbal tea that's decaffeinated or a, a chai tea and, and, and add in a, a teaspoon to a tablespoon of a um, a coconut oil, MCT oil, or you could use cocoa butter and some ghee and blend that up in your Nutribullet or your blender so that it gets this nice creamy consistency and you honestly won't miss cream in your coffee and that fat will help you stave away hunger. Mm-hmm. So again, physiology, you know, willpower is physiologic. So if we improve, if we empower the physiology, that'll keep you to that 10 a.m., 11 a.m., where you then break your fast with that beautiful keto green meal. Your blood sugar will stay stable. You won't have these peaks and valleys. And then you can have another meal four to six hours later, and then your dinner by 6 or 7 p.m. And for many of us in the keto green community, we typically break fast at 6 to 7, I mean, sorry, at 10 to 11 a.m., and then have a dinner, you know, between 5 to 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. So you get used to that, and that's that's a great. And then there, I'm always about 10% fasting, 80% keto green, 10% feasting. So we have some nice metabolic flexibility in there. So let me ask you a question. Can you explain why the fasting is important and what that does to our hormones? Yes, definitely. Because our, as we get older, we become more insulin resistant. It takes a while for our blood sugar to get to baseline. Now, we know that because as a physician, we'll say, hey, okay, you need fasting labs. You have to be 12 hours without food. Right. Well, 12 hours to get that blood glucose at a steady state low for you. And even for many people that are insulin resistant, it may take 16 24 hours to get that blood glucose nice and low for you. So that's an important thing. And also it takes time for our body to digest all the nutrients in it. Like eating three meals, three snacks, it's ridiculous. It is not good for us. Mm -hmm. It creates insulin resistance. So we have to really be cautious about that, especially if we're eating high carbs and, you know, these constant snacking in between meals. It's, I mean, we're not designed to, to do that, not Mm -hmm. for long anyway, for sure. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's one of the reasons that intermittent fasting is to improve insulin sensitivity and to improve a blood sugar control. Now, what's very important is that research has shown that if we keep even 13 hours between dinner and breakfast, there was a study that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association in July or August of 2016 that looked at women with breast cancer. And what it showed is that those who kept 13 hours between dinner and breakfast had a significantly lower hemoglobin A1C, that's a measure of blood sugar, but also a significantly reduced risk of recurrent breast cancer. Now that's huge, just by keeping Mm -hmm. 13 hours between dinner and breakfast. That's really interesting. And we see it. I see it all the time. I see an improvement in hemoglobin A1C, which the higher this, I mean, naturally it will get higher as we get older unless we're living in this keto green way. But also 
it is as the higher it goes, every point above 5.3 on your hemoglobin A1C, this is one of those markers I write about in my books that I say everyone should know like your dress size, like your weight on the scale. So every point above 5.3 exponentially increases our risk of Alzheimer's disease. Hmm. So two other questions I have about this way of living. If someone, well, first of all, is this, this is, I mean, I know your focus is menopause, but I'm 24, so I am not going through menopause right now. Um, but I feel like a lot of these things are actually, you know, can be applied to younger women as well. I want to know if this stuff can be used as a preventative measure or kind of a way to help, you know, help with menopause symptoms so that when you actually go through perimenopause and menopause, you don't really have many symptoms? Yes, you're absolutely on on the right track here. It's never too early. Mm -hmm. It's never too early to start and it's never too late. And that's the point I want to make. And I always say, if it works for us in the menopause, we're the toughest population. We're most metabolically resistant during this transition. If it works for us, it works for everyone. And we have had every age going through this. And and I've got a beautiful testimonial on our Keto Green community right now of a beautiful young lady, 23-year-old, who at one point was 180 pounds. And she is down to 135, but healthy, a very healthy 135. And just her skin has completely cleared up. Mm -hmm. She had really cystic acne, issues with cystic acne and strong menstrual cramps every month of her cycle. So she has followed this by by default because her household was following this. And then she really, really took it on and and cut out things that she found that were irritating her like dairy. I've had clients in, in their 30s with PMS since they started their periods, breast pain, tenderness, cramping, Within six weeks, I had one client call me. She called me crying. She goes, Dr. Anna, I didn't even know my period was coming. Typically, she'd lose two to three days a month, and Mm -hmm. she didn't even know that you know, her cycle was coming that month. And that was, I mean, it's just, it's amazing how quickly this transition is. And a lot of it is, honestly, it is using food as medicine or keto as like keto green as medicine, this concept as a, a nutritional, as a therapeutic way of living and eating. And it reminds me that it was fascinating history to learn that the physicians of ancient times were the chefs essentially to the kings. Like they prepared the food for the kings so that it would work to heal their bodies and keep them strong and healthy for the most part. So I thought that was very interesting, especially in in ancient Turkish Mm -hmm. uh, rules. Really interesting. And so for some people, like, you know, I'll just speak from my own experience. I've tried, I've gone through periods where I've tried a keto approach to eating and for me I just feel better when I eat more carbs and I know that some women have tried who have tried keto have kind of had a similar experience where they feel better with carbs so I just wanted to ask what your thoughts are on a modified keto where healthy carbs such as sweet potatoes and chickpeas and Uh, maybe brown rice are included in your diet 
just to you know help help you at least for me like keeps me satiated when I was doing strictly protein and greens and nuts and fats I wasn't feeling well mm-hmm. absolutely yeah no and that and especially younger you have more metabolic flexibility and when you're cycling more you'll see even in my keto green 16 book one of the ingredients are digestive fruits like pineapple mango papaya mm-hmm. because they give us more now if we're unable to get in ketosis with them i have clients take them out and then add add something else back in but um but absolutely and it's, and even making sure those carbs are at the evening meal so you get a better night's sleep so mm-hmm. there's a way to cycle this through and also with your menstrual cycle during the ovulation phase that's a good time to carb load and during the first few days of your cycle that's another good time to carb load mm-hmm. so with healthy carbs but again like if we if i have a client and this will depend on what we're dealing with if i have a client who is um 26 years old with polycystic ovarian syndrome who is 20 or 30 pounds overweight or more and has issues with her menstrual regularity i would have her follow my keto green 16 plan for at least two cycles in a row or the first 16 days of her period in a row and and see what happens and really follow the keto green way of living for a good two months initially before I have her do some carb, you know, some carb cycling, high carb cycling, mm-hmm. um, depending. So we want to kind of create some insulin sensitivity as quickly as possible to regulate hormone balance. And again, because of age is in your favor, that, you know, carb cycling is much more, um, it, you can be much more flexible than I can at 54. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Anna, on this too, that I want to just talk about these two things that will make a big difference, especially, you know, at, at any age, but especially in your teens and 20s. It's it's break up with dairy and break up with sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, no drinking milk, like, that makes no sense if you don't have a and dairy is one of the biggest allergenic foods that we have and so and it can cause havoc with our hormones we get a lot of hormones from cows <laughs> so break up with dairy break up with sugar there are two things that everyone listening can do that will make a huge difference in their overall health is to do those those two mm-hmm. things okay thank you i i mean i I think that's also really a good thing for people to hear because I, I've I talk about that, but it's good when it comes when it's coming from you. So another question I want to ask you is, what effect does changes in estrogen levels have on our pelvic floor and our vaginal health? Oh my gosh! Now this not just like as we get in. This is one of my favorite topics. So that's why I was so excited to come on your podcast is to to address this issue. Is as our hormone levels decline as we're getting older, or if we're on birth control pills or synthetic hormones like a Mirena IUD, for instance, or you know progestin implants, we're going to mess with our own body's natural production of hormones so as our hormones either decline naturally with aging or because of iatrogenic reasons like like medicines or toxins in our environment endocrine disruptors 
the health of our vagina decreases. So we start to get that um, thinning out of the mucous membranes, the, the mucosa of our vaginal walls and the muscles thin out and we lose lubrication and also lose sensation and, and um, vas- blood flow, vascularity, healthy blood vessels will also diminish. Naturally as estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and DHEA, all of these start declining. DHEA as early as our mid to late 20s, estrogen and progesterone, progesterone in our mid to late 30s and and estrogen follows follows suit because progesterone is one of our precursor hormones for all of our hormones and so as this declines we can experience atrophy i mean it, it without intervention what happens is that we can get thinning walls of the vagina increased risk for um pelvic relaxation bladder um prolapse incontinence and you know and and definitely lots of of sensation with uh, or pleasurable sensation with intercourse and what's worse pain discomfort with intercourse as well as the i would say the negative view if you have pain every time you do something why would you want to Mm. so just that consequence of discharge discomfort odor after intercourse and that gets can get worse as our our vaginal walls are thinning as our mucosal is thinning and becomes drier now good news is we can do something about it so what can we do about it yeah so <laughs> one thing as as a physician i'll tell you a story that when i was first into practice i had a a lovely lady come into my office and she was a 63 year old woman who said dr anna i've had this diagnosis of ductal carcinoma in situ of the breast and my doctor won't give me estrogen i'm 63 i've been married third year i can't have sex and i it hurts to have sex and i rather die than live this way help me and i was like oh shit can i gotta help this woman she was a ceo of a biotech firm silver haired foxy lady you know i was kind of intimidated too i was like i better figure out something to do for this woman i don't know and so and that's where i just went to the research i was a researcher before i went to medical school and so i dug into the research and i learned about dhea and i learned about testosterone use in women and and you know compounding pharmacies and how i could you know, test and and modify some um, pharmacy hormone to be able to use for my patients. And so I will tell you, she's eighty in her eighties now, has uh, published an amazing book, and still is a lobbyist on Capitol Hill. And that's what we want to see. We want to see vibrancy mm-hmm. in life. It completely changed her life, where she was like willing, ready to just give up mm-hmm. and, until she really embraced life again in in so many ways, not just sexually, but in so many ways. It overflows. You know, we, we can increase that intimacy and connection whether we're having intercourse or not but that health of the pelvic floor is so important and another thing is that I had a client she's um, how old is she now 28 years old and she'd been on the Mirena IUD for years and she said you know I've had no sex drive inability to have orgasm doctor help me and so that's where I had created a product called Jolva to help me and my patients that's natural, that has natural DHEA in it, natural plant stem cells from the Alpine Rose, which has tremendous rejuvenating properties. 
and um, coconut oil and emu oil. And so I had her, you know, add that into her regimen as well as some detoxifiers to help clear her body from the the toxic progestin that, you know, was being absorbed in, into her system. So there's got to be a healthy balance there. Mm-hmm. And, and that just made night and day difference in her life. So when we add back either prescription DHEA or testosterone or use something like my product, Jolva, which we're going to give your listeners a free trial for, we improve the condition of the pelvic floor. We can improve with pelvic floor exercises, the right way to do pelvic floor exercises. With that, okay, it's never just in a pill or a potion or whatever. We have to do, we have to do the work too, so increase the... Um, muscle strength of the pelvic floor with something like Jolva, we just see a tremendous improvement. I have over 100,000 amazing users all around the world now with this. You know, just that is night, it makes night and day difference for for our clients. That's amazing. It's so, it's so, so cool to hear about, you know, how products can really change people's lives. And I think that I mean, as you said, it is multifaceted. There isn't a magic pill or a magic product or one thing, but really when you use all of the things that you're talking about in combination, miracles happen. Uh-huh. Let's not give up on ourselves, right? Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about with you is the relationship between menopause and breast cancer. So more women than ever are being diagnosed with breast cancer in their 30s and 40s, many of which will go through premature menopause. And most women who have breast cancer have what they call estrogen positive cancer. So they need to go on a medication in order to shut down their estrogen, which causes the onset of early menopause. And chemotherapy can also, you know, create some of these symptoms. So what is your experience working with this subset of women? And is there any advice that you have for them that differs from what we've discussed? Or is it kind of the same? Honestly, this is such an important, this is such an important topic in addressing women who have had breast cancer or at risk for breast cancer, who know someone in their family who have had breast cancer. We have fear around that, but what, there's so much that we can do. And it, and I always think that the, the anti-estrogens and that type of terminology, et cetera, is, is the smallest piece of the puzzle getting keto green managing stress managing cortisol so and that's part of getting alkaline getting into ketosis to increase insulin sensitivity intermittent fasting all of these things reduce risk and empowering oxytocin the hormone of love bonding and connection so anyone with breast cancer or history of or fearful of at any age read the hormone fix that is my i tell you my magnus opus is something i want everyone to know and especially chapter six hormone disrupting chemicals that are causing that cause toxic estrogens that cause endocrine disruptors that interfere with your body's own natural hormonal balance those are the real culprit if we want to say it it's not our body's natural estrogen it's the competition our body's natural hormones have with endocrine disruptors chemicals toxins glyphosates gmos all of these things that disrupt our body's natural ability to use and 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 uh, release talk you know chemicals and toxins mm-hmm. so and our natural hormones i mean it's so important to understand this so getting keto green and clearing it up check urine ph 
to get alkaline checked, see that you get into ketosis at least in a regular basis, at least just even one week out of the month. Something like that will make a huge difference. And using herbs and minerals to help empower your body's natural system as we combat toxins. So for me, it's, you know, the combination that I did to help myself, right? I was toxic hormonal. I was in a toxic hormonal state when I was 39 and stressed to the nth degree and you know part of my journey around the world we're finding natural medicinals essentially natural herbs and and uh, foods to help my body support a healthy hormonal balance so that's where my product mighty maca came from it came from my own journey around the world Mm -hmm. to help me and to help my body but it helps detoxify on a daily basis a day doesn't go by where you know i drink this mighty maca plus formula because it helps support detoxification we have to do that number one we have to utilize healthy hormones and then for those of us who have had those women who have had breast cancer or have uh, or are at risk for it I mean we can't give up getting insulin sensitive again managing cortisol and using bioidentical hormones and in my clinical practice women on bioidentical progesterone they didn't i didn't diagnose them with breast cancer women on synthetic progestins or who came in who you know been on long-term birth control pills or something else other toxic exposures one worked in a formaldehyde in a um in a um uh paper mill processing plant it's a lot of chemicals you know that was the reason for her like find the reason for our breast cancer it's not from our body's natural production of estrogen Mm -hmm. and so these anti-estrogens are again there are clinical reasons for some of them but look at the numbers what improves our our what reduces our risk of recurrence more becoming more insulin sensitive, getting your hemoglobin A1C down to five, losing excess body fat, improving stress management, getting an alkaline urine pH. I mean, look at things that will improve our overall health and use bioidentical hormones to help as help our body, help our symptoms. So like Jolva on the pelvic floor, bioidentical progesterone, if approved by your physician, if you have a diagnosis of breast cancer, be sure to get this cleared with them. But I have had clients who have been, you know, their oncologist even will recommend, um, Jolva recommend some bioidenticals to help support their body's natural hormone balance. You've got to do the other stuff too. Mm-hmm. You've got to do, you've got to clean up your diet, remove the toxins, and also the, the right frame of mind, you know, mm-hmm. that makes a big difference. And you're empowered. I've had clients think of a patient who had um, Hodgkin's lymphoma, so chest radiation as a a young adult. So they're at significantly increased risk of breast cancer. And so she was under frequent monitoring for breast cancer and as an adult. And uh, she came to see me because she had recurrent cervical dysplasia, so that abnormal pap smear. And so she had been seen by her other doctor and getting colposcopies every six months and things like that. Now, hadn't had a normal pap in, in years when she came to see me so I treated her with uh, like so when I heard her history I said well I have to put you on a couple supplements there's a few things we need to do break up with sugar number one but here take this supplement and it is a sulforaphane glucosinolate it is the active ingredient 
in broccoli, essentially broccoli seed extract or broccoli. And it's, they're a product you can SGS for short. Many, um, companies produce it. I use, um, the one from Zymogen, um, spelled X Y M O G E N called Oncoplex ES. So I put her on that specific formula, uh, one pill twice a day and a small dose of methylated folate, one milligram methylated folate daily. She didn't have another abnormal pap smear with me. Not wow. another one. Never had. I never had to do another colposcopy on her. And and so that when she maintained it, then she came back in. She you know um, had an abnormal mammogram and it was multifocal. So she had a biopsy and it um, it read an invasive um, breast cancer, microinvasive breast cancer because it was multifocal. She was recommended to have a mastectomy, and I said, "Well, give me two months." I doubled her SGS to two pills twice a day, kept her on her methylated folate. We did a detox regimen, just very similar to my one in my book, The Hormone Fix, followed through with a detox regimen, and she went in for her surgery. She had her, because she was fearful, because of the history of Hodgkin's lymphoma, when's the next you going to drop, right? You already know you're at a higher risk for breast cancer. So she went in for a mastectomy. She opted for a bilateral mastectomy because of her high risk. And her pathology came back negative. That's crazy. Crazy, right? I was shocked. I was like, let me see this pathology report. Nothing. Wow. And and that's the amazing capability our body has to repair itself. Mm. Amazing capability for our body to repair itself, regardless of our genetics and how important it is to take as much control of our environment as possible. Not to mention, with my breast cancer clients, know your vitamin D 25-hydroxy number. Know your vitamin D number. And nothing would irritate me more when a patient would come in who had been diagnosed with breast cancer, been through chemo, radiation, whatever it may be, and I checked their vitamin D level, and it was like 7, 11. I can just think of all these clients in the low teens or single-digit numbers. I mean, that, to me, should be considered malpractice because we know the higher our vitamin D 25-hydroxy, the lower our risk of breast cancer. So let's optimize our vitamin D. Get it checked every two months until it's over 50, preferably 80. And then, then go to every six months checking your vitamin D level. And if your doctor won't do it, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, we cannot keep giving our power over our bodies away. We have enough information right now to take, to take charge and to even places where we can do our own lab testing. And I write about that in my books because it's so important that we take the power of our bodies back, especially as women. This is literally the most perfect time to tell you about an amazing new company that the VHive is partnering with called Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked is an at-home testing company offering a wide variety of tests ranging from vitamins and minerals to hormones to STDs to UTIs and much more. So I took their essential vitamin test, which identifies your vitamin B12, vitamin D, and folate levels. They send you a kit in the mail, which is an at-home test. You prick your finger and send it back to them with the prepaid shipping label that they provide you and you have your results within two to five business days. What's amazing about Let's Get Checked is that they have an app that you can download and view your results directly on. 
So I did this test and I got the results back, which showed that my B12 level was in the normal range. My folate level, which is another essential B vitamin, was also in the normal range, but my vitamin D level was really low. Little did I know that low vitamin D can contribute to fatigue, which I have often. Low vitamin D can also contribute to a weak immune system. And I just learned from Dr. Steve Grundy on the Skinny Confidential's most recent podcast episode that vitamin D is the most important vitamin in preventing COVID. So I am now taking vitamin D every day. And if you are wondering which vitamin D supplement I'm taking, I ordered it on Amazon. It's from the company called Designs for Health, and it is the Vitamin D Supreme. It has 5,000 IUs of vitamin D, which is the minimum amount that you should take if you are taking a D supplement. Anything that has less than 5,000 IUs is essentially not effective. Last but not least, Let's Get Checked has doctors and nurses that you can speak with if you have any questions, if you need recommendations, or if you even need a prescription. So. Let's Get Checked is offering all VHive listeners 20% off their order by going to www.trylgc.com slash VHive and entering promo code VHive at checkout. That's www.trylgc.com slash VHive and entering promo code VHive at checkout for 20% off your order. Let's get back into the show. And honestly, what I find the most interesting about, you know, everything you've discussed is the overlap between menopause, breast cancer, pelvic pain. They are all so related and it's so crazy to hear about the discoveries that, you know, you've made and the breakthroughs you've had working with women. And what's so funny, I wanted to share this before, is that so my mom uses your your keto green powder and your mighty maca and she literally catches my dad stealing it like he puts it in his (laughs) smoothie and she'll notice she'll be like, why is like I just bought this? Why is it? you know, in like a week, it's like half gone. And she literally catches him using these powders. And it's so funny. She, they like fight about it because she's like, you need to buy your own. And he's Uh, like, no, (laughs) but, um, cause he's a bit of a health nut and, and he has his big green smoothie every morning and she has hers. So, you know, it's now my dad was always the super healthy one. And my mom was kind of, you know, she was always in good shape. I mean, she is in great shape, but she always like felt good, was in amazing shape and never really had to worry about diet or anything and the reason that she became you know she got turned on to your work was through her own research she was diagnosed a few years ago with estrogen positive breast cancer and one of her treatments was the lupron injection in order to shut down the estrogen in her body and she literally she wasn't even in perimenopause and she literally went into menopause overnight like full-blown menopause night sweats vaginal dryness utis and i think that you know i know that you know this but her story is is similar to so many other women's stories in in that this is so common and her gynecologist at sorry no her oncologist at mount sinai medical center in, in new york and her gynecologist 
had very little to offer when she asked them about these symptoms. So through her own research, she found your work and and she uses your Jolva cream and the powders and, and was reading your books and started doing intermittent fasting and got Mona Lisa laser therapy. So she was doing all of these things and they all helped her tremendously, but it was really through her own research. So, I mean, I first just wanted to thank you and I'm so, so honored that you're here today because you are such a powerful voice and resource to women in this community and around the world who have been kind of, you know, dismissed by their doctors who don't understand menopause and and how to kind of treat it naturally because it clearly can be treated naturally. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love, I love that. I love your story. I'm going to send you guys a family, a family <laughs> gift box. <laughs> thank you. No, my mom, seriously, she's obsessed with you. It's so funny. She's I like, tell her me. I say hi. I'm like, tell her I say hi. Yeah. Thank you so much. I will. But I mean, I know we talked about, this was actually the first question I asked you that I, I wasn't even planning on asking you, but I, I just, I can't get over it because I see it so much with pelvic pain and conditions like vulvodynia and interstitial cystitis. But now I'm learning it's so similar with menopause. Why is this not talked about? Why do oncologists and gynecologists not have the resources to help their patients? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that there's so much more teaching to be done, honestly. And, mm-hmm. and I trained as an osteopathic physician first, and I, I grew up in a food as medicine household, but yet I still, it's like it's been yeah. a process. But in, in for pelvic pain, like in osteopathic medicine, we learn maneuvers and manipulation to relieve so much pelvic pain, interstitial cystitis, and these things, and the dietary intervention that makes a difference. I think the more, now more a medical school are teaching nutrition as medicine, food as medicine, and you can't avoid in the functional medicine space. Now there are actual uh, residency programs in functional medicine that are approved, and the Cleveland Clinic has a functional medicine department. So these things are better, but yet, yet, with all that said, when it comes to women's health, pelvic pain, pelvic problems, um, it is it is the most un... Um, undertaught and um, difficult area in medicine to Mm -hmm. to really teach teach Mm -hmm. well in the students I think as it comes to more women in gynecology and obstetrics I think that has shifted things for sure yeah that has shifted um, awareness tremendously and I always think of of Dr. Christiane Northrup who published um, mm, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom mm-hmm. way back, right? In 1999-2000. I mean she says she was afraid that her colleagues would read her book and ostracize her. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, the brave the bold and the brave, you know, as they as they come out and speak about a pelvic floor physical therapist. I mean, it takes an it takes a good collaborative for women's health in general. But again, and this is why it's it's so important. Um, it, it's just so important that we know that there's no matter what diagnosis we've been given, mm-hmm. that we can we can heal from it mm-hmm. and we can create a stronger a stronger more resilient healthier body. Yeah. Thank you. I, I mean, thank you so much. And the last thing that I want to discuss with you is I just, I want to have you give us some insight into, and you talked about this before, but a loss of libido and desire and intimacy is very closely related to 
menopause and hormonal imbalances and and pelvic health issues. So can you just explain again, why does this happen and what can we do about it? Yeah, that's a really good thing, you know, good thing to talk about Mm -hmm. because even, you know, and it's, and it's certainly more of an issue as we get older, but at any age, right? Yeah. And I know, yeah, you know, I I was just, as I've learned about you, I know that a big part of your mission is this, is like rebuilding desire and rebuilding intimacy. So I wanted to make sure that, that we discussed that. Yes. And I have, um, I, great ebook we can give your audience too it's just arousal secrets mm-hmm. right these arousal secrets concepts you. and a whole program called sexual cpr <laughs> yes i was looking i was reading that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and so so it is it is um it is important for our entire life and i love intimacy as is um one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves right healthy intimacy healthy long-lasting relationships and um and understanding the physiology behind disconnection is really important for me it's part of my story you know it's um part of my story from trauma part of my story from you know having anorgasmia for over a decade you know and and then having trauma post-traumatic stress and understanding teasing through always asking the question why what you know what's the reason for it is it something that you know just have to live with or just really asking that question why what's happening why did this happen and getting to the root cause and I've had clients now that tell me that they have you know and they've uh, in their even in their 60s 70s they have the best intimacy of their life and one client said uh, that her and her husband they were married for 20 years she goes we were roommates I mean it was terrible just mm-hmm. we felt like we were roommates and she goes now we're boyfriend and girlfriend again Aww. I mean these little isn't that beautiful mm-hmm. I love that we want to see that happen and I think you know I have four daughters ages 12 to 31 and so talking about these issues, in fact, I just released a, a, a podcast today, I think you'll love it, um, called uh, Sex Ed 20 and Beyond, because my daughter, my 31-year-old, came to me and she said, you know, her friends are asking her, they, they don't have orgasm with sex, they're having dryness issues, they're, they don't know that they, you know, their anatomy, their own anatomy, can we have a discussion about this and answer some questions? Mm-hmm. So we had essentially a fireside chat about, you know, just about many issues related to sexual health and and what um, keeps us from feeling a healthy sexual energy and experiencing desire and that continuation of desire. Now, there's a natural decline when we get into a safe zone. Wait, can and, you quickly, for anyone listening and, and for myself, where, where can people find that podcast episode? Because that's such oh, a good topic. Yes, yeah. Um, at on my website at dranna.com so okay. d-r-a-n-n-a.com just go to my podcast page okay got and it. you'll see that sex ed and be sex ed money and beyond and um just a fun discussion too and mm-hmm. we're gonna um actually do a second a follow-up to that because we got so many questions coming in as a result of that and so we have we're gonna do another another um, fireside chat coming up soon amazing <laughs> Yeah, so it's good to have these open, honest discussions and, and to really understand, get comfortable, authentic, talking about our bodies. I, I lecture on stage and, you know, I, I don't hold back. And I had a woman coming up after, actually, this this was one of the reasons that ignited my daughter, Brittany. She had a, a young woman, we were in uh, Portland, Oregon at a conference before quarantine, 
and uh, a, a young 30 year old came to her and she said oh my gosh I've never heard anyone talk about sexual health in this way that you know it answered so many questions she was I, I went home and had a discussion with my mom because she went through menopause I didn't know anything about it and she just it opened up the ability to have a daughter mo mother conversation so I thought that was just so beautiful and then these other two women came up to me in the uh, coffee line the next morning and said, you know, Dr. Anna, we've been roommates like at every conference for the last 10 years. And she goes, last night after your talk was the first time we talked about our, our, you know, our sexual health, you know, both of us have been struggling with, mm. you know, pain with integrity. They're both in their fifties, uh, mid to late fifties married. And so we've been struggling with pain with intercourse and we never told anyone about it, you know, other than our doctor who just said, here's some vaginal, here's some vaginal estrogen. Good luck. Right. Mm. And there's so much more to it than this. And so they finally have that discussion and that discussion just breeds, you know, that open conversation and is so healing in and of itself. You're not alone. It's not shameful. You know, it is like, and there's things that can be done about it. And so I think that's where healing comes. And as you have your amazing podcast and these open, honest discussions, healing comes from having a conversation and understanding, okay, you know, let's share information. What's our next right step? Mm -hmm. And I, I totally interrupted you before, but can you explain why when we're going through menopause, do we experience a loss of libido yeah absolutely so it has to do a lot with a, a good part with our hormones but also like and this time period inflammation as we get older not only do our reproductive hormones decrease but cortisol increases and when cortisol and we're stressed when cortisol goes up oxytocin a hormone of love bonding and connection goes down that's one piece of it and yes our testosterone our dhea our estrogen our progesterone are declining as well so we have that hormonal intervention but like we say the most um prominent sexual organ is our brain so the understanding what's happening in our brain like this decrease in, in that sense of connection, that's why it's even more important to empower oxytocin, this hormone of love and connection. So when we are in a safe relationship, oftentimes we get this loss of interest, mm -hmm. but there's not that excitement phase that's there anymore. So that dopamine drive isn't there anymore because you have the safety. So this, you know, this comfort level. So there's not that dopamine spike there anymore. So you have to do things that increase it. Like hmm, maybe it's a roller coaster ride or maybe it's a hide and seek. Maybe it's a, you know, it's something that ignites right. um, dopamine, some excitement, right? Doing mm -hmm. things that you love doing together. And it's also being intentional, like, okay, by well, understanding as women that there's a natural, it's natural to have secondary, secondary desire. Now I didn't, I didn't understand that until I, I heard patients tell me over and over again, I would ask them about their sex drive, their libido. They said, well, I never have the desire to initiate sex, but I'm fine when we get started. That's where my whole sexual CPR course came from. That's so interesting. It's so interesting. This is our way that we have this natural secondary desire. So it's like, okay, well, I know that, you know, once we, you know, once we get started and we get going, I'm going to, that desire starts to build up that secondary desire and that's natural and normal as women. And that's perfectly okay. So we have to make 
events, we have to may, be intentional about having about having sex mm-hmm. to keeping that intimacy alive. But then again, if we have pain every time we do something because of dryness, discomfort, or whatever, why would we want to? Mm-hmm. So we've got to heal from that too. So can you explain what does secondary desire mean? It essentially means that you you have the yeah. desire once you start like a sexual activity but prior to that you don't feel desire right exactly it's like you know honey like a man for men they're pri- like they can look feel stimulated and be like okay mm. let's go right for right. women it's like once you get started the oxytocin starts going the dopamine serotonin starts uh, flowing then all of a sudden we've got you know now we're feeling attracted now i'm all in to have sex right but it's not until that time it's not that initial time so that's that secondary phase so where guys it can they have primary desire thinking i want to have sex i'm gonna have sex right mm-hmm. I, i'm feeling feeling that i see you and i want to have sex with you there right. we go right for women it's different it's like okay touch caress and i always tell guys you know foreplay starts in the morning you know bring me a cup of coffee you know what is that it starts with like kind things and throughout the day being flirty we have to do things being flirty throughout the day doing things like i think it's fun to change the name of your honey's you know on your on your phone so when he calls it flashes oh my sexy stud is calling or something (laughs) like that it's so so fun and nice and flirty and so these things help us keep in um, intentional about having intimacy too mm-hmm. from that from that natural decline. And anytime we're on birth control and we do anything to suppress our natural ovarian production of hormones, it automatically nixes our natural um, sexual desire. So birth controls. De- pills decrease testosterone especially that ovulatory spike in testosterone that makes us want to have sex Mm mid-cycle so when we're on birth control pills that interferes with that and then that is something that often women are put on in the perimenopause time period to control their symptoms and that's that's destructive in so many ways Mm -hmm. so this is all fascinating i want to play devil's advocate for one minute so i um, I have a Mirena IUD and for me it's been so helpful you know and I I've always like I use the the approach to, to just living where I eat really healthy and I don't really eat dairy or sugar and I eat a lot of plant-based and and grass-fed protein and I eat really really well and I sleep well and I'm very in tune with the mind-body connection but the Mirena really helped me to just I mean I use it as a form of birth control but it also like helped with some hormonal issues that I was having and um I have a great sex drive but maybe that's because I'm younger yeah, well, also, you know, again, it's much better. Morena's um, um, effect on our ovarian, natural ovarian production of testosterone is much less mm-hmm. and than I, yeah. birth control pill. Yes. So that's not interfering as much. And my first 
choice is typically the Paragard non-hormonal IUD, mm-hmm. but and the, then the Skylar, then the Mirena. Mm-hmm. So in, in that order. But now just being on that birth control too, I want you to take a multivitamin mineral combination with extra magnesium. Mm-hmm. So and methylated vitamins. You know, you want to get your methylations on there because progestins, and that's what's in Mirena, the progestin doesn't work like bioidentical progesterone. So now oh. you're getting away with it. But keep up your body's natural, sub, you know, sub, keep up your natural supplements mm-hmm. because your body is detoxifying that progestin and you'll even feel, you'll even feel better. That's really interesting. Okay. Thank you. I mean, I love my gynecologist, but she didn't tell me that. So these are yeah. like, these aren't things that people are talking about. I mean, it's yeah. real. it's really important. And I, I'm always clearly learning more, so it's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, You're very welcome. <laughs> so we could go on forever, but I'm going to wrap the conversation up. If you had to give one piece of advice to everyone listening, one takeaway, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, just to love yourself as is, as you are, love yourself and embrace who you are, where you are, what stage in life you are. There's so much good about each and every one of us that we should focus on that more and as much as possible. And from there, like that love internally, that internal love that we have for ourselves radiates into the lives of others and our relationships that we have with others. It's so true. You know, loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves and and prioritizing ourselves is definitely, I think, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that we we can do as a woman. What are resources you have to recommend? Where can people find you, contact you? I would definitely um, connect with me on social media at Dr. Anna Quebec on Instagram and at Dr. Anna C on Facebook and our lively keto green community that I just love. And then my website's easy, dranna.com. So D-R-A-N-N-A.com. And yeah, I look forward to having more conversations with you, Hannah. Thanks for having me. Oh my God, this was amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Before we go, I just want to make sure that all of you know where you can access Dr. Anna's free trial. She is giving to all VHive listeners of her Mighty Maca Powder and her Jolva Cream. So if you go to the show notes, there will be a link for a free trial of the Mighty Maca and there will be a link for the free trial of the Jolva Cream. So click on the link, get your free trial, try her products. They are amazing. And I want to also let you guys know that next week's guest will be a gynecologist named Dr. Alyssa Dweck. And that episode is going to be all about why low estrogen can cause low libido and what we can do about that. So if you have questions that you want Dr. Dweck to answer, we will be doing a 10-minute listener Q&A at the end of the episode. So send your questions to info at thevhive.com. That's info at thevhive.com. And we will go through as many questions as we have time for. I am super excited to talk with her. And please send in any questions that you have. See you next week. This podcast is for education purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. 
During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.